Life is about relationships. Period. Life is about relationships. On a monthly basis, I work with grieving families, either by directly leading a funeral or by walking through them with grief counseling. And every family, every family who's lost a loved one, the one thing that matters at the end of the life is the depth of relationship. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. The accumulation of wealth pales in comparison to relationship. Relationships what's matter. The acquiring status, getting another degree or another plaque or another advancement in your company has no value if you can't use that to produce greater relationships in your life. Relationships are the key to life. Our first relationship is with God. And that's one of the reasons you're here today. Because we're evaluating that together. But also our relationship with one another. Here's the problem. Destructive habits erode relationships. They destroy relationships. Why? Because destructive habits isolate us. And they get us alone. And they take us away from the most important relationships possible. And in light of that, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this behavior you're evaluating right now, this habit that you're evaluating. And think about uh, if, if it's doing one or two things, whatever habit you're thinking of, whether it's an action or an attitude or a thought process or, or maybe even sloppy language. Here, here's the question. Is this habit creating more relationships in your life and deeper relationships or is it destroying relationships because that's a huge indicator of a destructive habit a, dis- a, a destructive habit kills the relationships god wants you to have and so here it is whatever habit you're identifying this morning or whatever habits in your mind is it worth is it worth the trust that you're going to lose between you and your spouse is that habit worth losing the respect of your kids? Is that habit worth diminishing the joy of your friendship and the friends that you have and the friends that God's given you? Absolutely not. Yet, when we're in the middle of our destructive habit, we buy into the lie of isolation. Then we think that I'm going to be all alone with my habit. And here's the problem in isolation. You become untouchable. No one can get to you. You see, God put people all around you that, that are positioned to help you and to assist you and to walk with you. But when you live in this destructive habit, you're isolated and no one can get to you. You're like that vault on Fort Knox, strongly defended. You're strongly defended. No one can get to your habit. You're isolated. That's a tough, tough place to be. Can I just tell you this? God wants you to have life-giving, full relationships. God wants you to have relationships that, that cause you to love Him more. And He's designed you for that. And every destructive habit that takes you away from valuable relationships is a thief to your life. Instead, God, God wants you to turn to him and cause these awesome relationships to happen. Now, something I did about a year and a half ago, and in fact, some of you did it with me, was this program or the spiritual disciplines, a better way to put it, called the Daniel Fast. And if you haven't heard of this, the Daniel Fast is 
is um, taking 21 days. It's not from the Bible, but it's inferred from the Bible. It's taking 21 days to basically not eat meat and not eat sugar and not eat, eat cheese and that type of thing, animal products. And it's a, it's a way to focus more on prayer. And it's pretty tough to do. I've done it several times. But the last time I did it, day 17, day 18, I was feeling really good. I was feeling really disciplined. I was feeling really healthy. And uh, I lost a little bit of weight and feeling a little trim and fit. And yeah, there's some spiritual benefit. But I was also thinking, okay, I've got this thing nailed. I've got this food thing under control. And I remember making a secret vow. I made a vow to myself. In fact, I think I put it in my journal somewhere. I made a vow that as I was approaching the end of this 20 days, I would never, ever, whatsoever eat cheese again. This was my secret vow. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this might come as a surprise to you, but in recent days, I have partaken in cheese. And I want to tell you something. I don't think it's God's will for anybody to live a life without ever eating cheese again. I mean, that's just, come on. So in my mind, you know, I'm thinking I'm making this vow because of my self-discipline. And it was a secret vow. And that's one of the problems. One of the problems is this, is that nobody has enough self-will on their own to to do anything and accomplish anything without a team around them. But one of the problems with destructive habits is not just that you're isolated, but you begin to live in secret. You begin to live a secret life. And so when you're in isolation, nobody can get to you. But when you're in secrecy, no one can talk to you. There's no voice in your life. There's nothing you can hear. You see... We need a team. Some of you have overcome addiction and you've overcome some tough stuff. And if you had the microphone now, I'm sure you would say it takes a community. It takes a team. It takes a support team. Doing that in isolation is, is virtually impossible. So, so it is that one of the things destructive behaviors want to do for our life is it puts us in isolation, but it lets us live in secrecy. And when we're in secrecy, there is no voice in our life. And I'm wondering in your life, what in your life can nobody talk to you about? I mean, there's some subjects that if anyone brought up to you, not just someone off the street, but someone appropriate brought up a subject to you, you shut down. There's no avenue there. There's no dialogue. You, You don't let anyone talk to you about certain attitudes or certain behavior or certain habits in your life, that secrecy could be an indicator. It could be an indicator that's a destructive habit in your life. You see, those who know you best, those who love you best, should have the right to appropriately challenge some things in your life. But when we give in to the lie of destructive habits and live in destructive habits... We're always isolated, and there's tons and tons of secrets in our life. You know, I'm all about knowing who to share appropriate information with. 
And it's true, you know, I don't want you to share your darkest, darkest secret on Facebook this afternoon or Twitter because of this message. But what I want you to do is to find and to get in relationship or to identify the relationships God has already established of people who love you, who want your best, and let them get involved in your life. Because when you do that, God gets involved in your life. God wants to get involved in your life. God is a personal God who deals with us as an individual, but he uses community and family to help us overcome some of our challenges. So no more secrets. No more secrets in this destructive behavior, these destructive habits. Let the light of God come and shine on those dark places. You know, the, the vault at Fort Knox is is really an amazing piece of architecture because you saw the building earlier, but that's not where the gold is. The gold is actually underground. And it's not just underground in regular soil. Uh, There is a bed of rock that in the 1930s when they built this, that, that they, I guess, used dynamite to create this bed of rock. So the vault is in enclosed in natural rock. And then with steel. And then with concrete. And since that time, in the the last 80 years or so, every scientific advancement has been used to make it the most secure place in the world to hold valuables. Now, why would they go through all that work of establishing this perfect location with all the technology and all the concrete and all the steel? Well, quite simply... They thought if any bozo thought they would go on a U.S. Army base and try to steal gold, they would see and discover uh, this secure vault and be hopeless. That's what a stronghold is. It's a place where it's hopeless. There's no way, there's no way anyone could break into that. That's how our destructive habits feel sometimes. They feel hopeless. We're in isolation. We're living in secrecy. And that causes us to feel hopeless. Like this destructive habit, there's no way we'll ever be able to overcome it. This destructive habit, there's no avenue. There's no hope for me. Can I tell you that in the natural, that is true. I don't look to human willpower. I don't look to, um, to, to the ability within ourselves, with our own reason and our own uh, ability and willpower to overcome destructive habits. There's no way a human being can live perfectly. There's no way a human being can, uh, can overcome habits just on their own strength. But there's a twist. There is a God. There is a God who loves you and cares for you. And when he sees the destructive habits in your life. He doesn't condemn you. He doesn't look at you and see you as hopeless. He sees you as a chance for his grace and a chance for his power to encounter. God cares. I don't care how many times you've messed up. I don't care how many times you've said, this is it. I'm changing from this day forward. I'm changing my habits. And then the next day you do the same thing again. It doesn't matter how many times or how many days 
you failed. Today is a new day. It doesn't matter how many chances you've blown. Today, there's a new chance again. Because there is a God who is faithful. And his mercies are new every morning. So every day that you wake up, every day you have a new breath to breathe, every day you see a new morning, it's a sign that your God is there to give you another chance. He's there to support you. He's there to inspire you. He's there to empower you with his resurrection power. That is the God we serve. You see, destructive habits, that can feel very discouraging. It can make us feel alone. It can make us feel like we're in secret. It can make us feel like we're hopeless. But that takes us to a place where we turn to the God who is our only hope. We turn to the God who, he is the only one that has the ability to touch our deepest needs. And that's the God that we sung about today. That's the God that we proclaim. That's why I love what Luke chapter 19 says in verse 10. Luke 19, 10, Jesus is talking, and Jesus used to call himself the Son of Man. It's just a name he gave himself. And he said, for the Son of Man, for me, Jesus, came to seek and save those who are lost. Jesus didn't come for the religious He didn't come for the perfect. He didn't come for the social elite. He didn't come for the people who had it all together and who were completely disciplined. He came for people who had destructive habits. He came for people who were lost. He came for people who were living a secret that no one else knew. He came for people who felt hopeless. And he came to them to seek and to save them. And I want to tell you that's what Jesus is doing to you today. There's a reason you're here. I know you had some self-determination from coming here. You chose to come. Maybe you were here because a friend invited you to this church service. Maybe you come to this church on a regular basis. So this is part of your regular weekly or monthly routine. And so you got in a car or vehicle and you came here today. I understand that. But I believe there's something bigger than just your choice this morning. I believe that Jesus who loves you drew you here. His grace brought you here. There's a reason you're hearing this message today. There's a reason you're hearing these words. There's a reason you're reading the scripture at Luke 19, 10. It's a reminder that Jesus is looking for you. He's seeking after you. He's seeking and saving the lost. He's going after you. You might say, Aaron, you have no idea how destructive my habit is. You have no idea how many times I've messed up. You have no idea how I've messed up my life and my life is not what it should be. You are the exact kind of person our Jesus is looking for. He is looking for you because Jesus comes and he comes and he comes to our brokenness and he comes to our mess and he comes to our bad habits and he he comes to our failure and he redeems and he takes back all of our bad decisions and he makes something beautiful out of something that was ugly and destructive. That's why one of my favorite scriptures is out of Isaiah chapter 61. Many years before Jesus came, the prophet Isaiah, he told about who Jesus was going to be and he talked as if he were Jesus and he said this, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor he has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed he has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies to all who mourn in Israel he will give a crown of beauty For ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, 
festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. This last scripture, you know, we prayed this this week. Our prayer team prayed this for you. And I prayed this for you this week. As we imagine those who attend this church and those who are going to be here this Sunday, we prayed, God, plant them, make them strong. This analogy here, they, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. That means you're strong. You're rooted. Your roots go down deep. You have depth to your life. You are a great oak that the Lord has planted. You can't do that by self-will and self-determination. You do that by the Lord who has planted you. The previous scripture, you may have noticed that I underlined some words here. In in verse 3, it says, To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes. That's what our God does. He takes He takes the leftovers of our bad choices and our destructive habits and the things we've done that have ruined our life and all that's left is ashes. All that's left is is something that is a remnant of what was supposed to be and God takes that and he makes something beautiful out of it. He's been doing that for a long time. You know that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he reached down to the dust of the ground, the most common thing that can be found anywhere on earth. And out of the dust of the ground, he made his greatest creation. That's human beings. He made us from something that was common and something that we consider dirty and something we consider a nuisance. And we're always trying to sweep it out of our house and cars and clean it off our shoes. He took that stuff, that dust and that dirt, and he made something beautiful. And that is you and that is me. That's who our God is. Our God looks to our isolation and looks to our secrecy and looks to our hopelessness. And he comes and he makes something beautiful. Would you join me in prayer? God, we've read your scripture today. We thank you, Jesus. You are the one who seeks and saves the lost. Father, we thank you that you do reach down and out of the ashes. You make something beautiful. Lord, you have revealed your character to us. And Father, as we reflect on this this day, we pray, O God, that we would see that you want to take our lives and make something beautiful. As we reflect on this, let's watch this together.
what yeah let's go ahead and thank the Lord hey that's what our God did for me he did man out of the ugliness of my sin ugliness of my sin God I think made something beautiful to reflect his glory and that's not anything I've done it's just Jesus and he has done the same for many of you and he wanted to remind you of that today and he wants he wants many of you this morning this day 
to recognize once again his work in your life. And sometimes we have to take a first step towards God. If we just open up our hearts and just let him in, that he can come and he can come and take our destructive habits and go on a journey with us to where something much greater than we ever could have imagined. That only happens through what Jesus Christ did on the cross. That's it. He became our punishment and all of our destructive habits came upon Jesus when he was on the cross. And he paid the penalty for every mistake we've made, every mess we've made. He paid the penalty so that we can live in freedom today. And that's always a message that we have above all things. You know, there's so many practical things that maybe we can get into at another time. You know, if I tried to cover everything that needs to happen to overcome destructive habits, there'd be no way we'd be here for hours. There's so many steps we can take and all that. The first step leads to every other step. The most important step is to get things right with God. Get things right with God. And if you take that first step, I believe it's going to open all types of avenues for you. But it takes, it takes a humbling of yourself. And you're going to have that chance today. In a few minutes, we're all going to take communion together. If you choose, you're, you're free to let the bread and the cup pass. That's not a problem. You don't have to be a member of the church. To...